Well, welcome today. Glad to have you joining us. If you're new, my name is Jonathan. I'm the lead pastor here at Ridge Church, and we are in a series on the Lord's Prayer. And so we have been starting uh, every uh, sermon together by reading the Lord's Prayer. And so I just want to invite you, just read along or pray it out loud if you'd like. Uh, but here's, uh, here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, today we are come to this, this uh, line of the prayer. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. And frankly, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, this is the line that we tend to gravitate to, isn't it? I mean, if you're like me, we tend to kind of skip over the, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. To get to this part, give us this day our daily bread, because I come with these requests and these desires and these wants and these things that I want God to do in my life and, and in the lives of the people that I love. And, and that's all good and fine. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's important. But Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, because he, he wants us to, to come to this part of the prayer with a certain mindset, with a, with a certain perspective, almost with a certain level of maturity. Because, because when it comes to our needs and our wants and our desires, perspective and, and maturity make a big difference, don't they? I mean, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I, I, used, to, you know, I used to go down into the kitchen and I'd go to the fridge and I'd open the fridge door and I'd look at that fridge. I'd stand there staring at it. I mean, there'd be like three jugs of milk and, and four kinds of yogurt. And, and there would be, you know, a couple of different kinds of cold cuts and, and a bunch of cheeses. There'd be vegetables in the mi middle of winter. There'd be fruits from around the world and, and a big leftover bowl of, uh, you know, a dish of leftovers from the great meal we had the night before. And I'd stand there for like two or three minutes. And finally, I'd be like, there is nothing to eat in this house. Right? I mean, maybe you remember doing that when you were, when you were young. Or, or maybe it was like this. You, you know, again, you're a teenager. You open your closet, and it's packed with clothes. I mean, there isn't room for another hanger, and you sort of shuffle your clothes a little this way and that way. And, and there's, you know, a jumble of shoes on the floor, and there's, there's sweaters and T-shirts up on the shelves. I mean, the place is packed, and you stand there. You're like, I have nothing to wear, right? I mean, how could that be? I mean, even today, sometimes maybe we, we have that kind of mindset. But, but, but in fact, that's sometimes how it is when it comes to this part of our prayer. But when it comes to, to, to give us this day our daily bread. I mean, God has poured out his riches and his grace on us in a million different ways, in big and small. And yet, when we come to this part, we're sort of like we open the fridge, look at all the stuff and say, there's nothing to eat. I have nothing to wear. I mean, God, would you fix this? Would you, God, change that? Would you, would you rescue me from this? Would you solve that problem? And sometimes when it comes to this aspect of, of prayer, we, we come lacking a bit of, a bit of maturity. We, we come lacking maybe the, the, the right perspective when it comes to this. And, and so that's why Jesus teaches us to follow this, this pattern. This is why he, he arranges the Lord's Prayer in this way. You see, before we get to this part, to that, to the asking part, and it is a good part, it's an important part. But before we get there, he wants us to kind of slow down and to orient our, our mindset to the right kind of way. And so, 
he calls us to start with our Father, our reminding us that we're part of something much bigger than just us. It's not just my little world and what's going on. Our Father who is in heaven. And then, and then remembering that God is our Father who cares so deeply, so intimately for our needs. But He's our Father who is in heaven. The, 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 the vastness, the, the grandeur, the, the majesty of who He is should overwhelm us as we come into His presence. And then He says, we should pray, hallowed be your name. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, this idea that the way that we honor God's name is through our lives and how we live. So we should start with this prayer saying, God, how do you want me to live? How, how do you want to change me and how I act and how I think? God, God, change me. And then to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To, to, to pray about, God, what is it that you want to accomplish? God, what is it that, that you're at work in? <clears throat> God, would you, would you make that happen? Would you bring your will and your desires to our, our world, to our nation, to our city, to my neighborhood, my school, my workplace? I mean, God, would you work there? That's the kind of place that we're to begin with. You see, so many people simply skip all of that and dive right into, dear God, here I am. I need you to do this. I want you to do this. W would you help me in this way? And, and I want you to do it now, and I want you to do it in this way. Without slowing down to, to remember who it is that they're talking to. to. To remember that God is at work, that he is doing things. And to remember that we are to submit our lives to him. You see, when we do that, 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 that changes our perspective. It changes how how we talk, how, how we address God, how we think about our prayers. You know, I heard this story the other day. It was a great story. It's about a, uh, it was a, a mother, a true story. A mother found her uh, daughter's phone, was looking at it, and realized that her own daughter had been cyberbullying another girl that obviously was her friend, I guess. Uh, and, uh, and her mother, the mother called the, the daughter over and said, what is this? What, what are you doing? She said, oh, it's not, it's not that big a deal. She says, Get your jacket on. We're going to go over there. And her daughter's eyes got big. He said, what? what? We're going over? Yes, we're going over to your friend's place. She said, what are we going to do when we get there? She said, when we get there, I'm going to give you your phone, and you're going to look at your friend in the eye, and you're going to read word for word what it is that you texted her. You are ugly and fat. And see what it's like when the context changes, when you're standing in her presence addressing her, and then you're going to apologize, aren't you? And she's like, I would never dream of saying that to her face. Exactly. You see, the perspective that we bring when we come into someone's presence, the, the way that we address them changes when we understand the context. And, and, um, and, and that's the first thing that Jesus wants us to understand in this prayer. And that's this, when you're presenting your request to God, you should pray with the right perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to spend 30 minutes of the, you know, in the first part of this prayer before you get to, 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 to your prayer requests. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I myself, I'm guilty of this, bypassing that part and, and just jumping into, dear God, here's what I want. Would you, would you please? But, but there's, a, there's a perspective. There's a mindset. There's a, there's a maturity that comes to the, give us this day our daily bread. When we start the way that Jesus calls us to when when we pray in the right context but see when we do that then we're much more likely to align 
our requests with the will of God. And we're much more likely to, to come with a depth and a, and a clarity that we wouldn't otherwise have. And, and when we, again, remember who God is and, and what he's doing and, and, and the broader picture of what he's doing in, in, in the world, it has a tendency to take some of the heat out of our prayers, some of the panic out of them. And we come instead with a deeper sense of peace and, 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 a, and a greater confidence as we say, dear God, here are my requests. But you see, when we do that, when, when we come with the right perspective, when the right context, then of course we should present our requests. Then of course we should lay before God all of the things that are on our heart. You see, some religions teach that you know, prayer is about annihilating, d denying your requests and your wants and your needs. But it's not what Jesus teaches here. In fact, it's the opposite. He says, of course you should bring your requests. Of course you should bring them before your father. I mean, that's what children do when they love and trust and, and, and are in deep relationship with the one that they call their father. So how do we do that? Well, what does it look like to pray, give us this day, our our daily bread. What does that expression daily bread mean? Well, for 90% of the people in, in Jesus' world, their daily bread was literally the food that they needed for that day. Because you see, in, in, in Jesus' world, the vast majority of people literally lived hand to mouth. They, they needed to pray, God, would you make sure that we have what we need to eat for this day? But of course, that's not really our context here, is it? I mean, we live in a very different world, don't we? I mean, we got Costco and, and Amazon. And I mean, even, even with all of the messed up supply chain and the, that we have these days, there's hardly a product or a service that we can't get if we dig a little bit to find it. So what does it mean for us to pray for our daily bread? When it comes to our, when it comes to our stuff, when it comes to the, the food and the clothing and the, and the shelter, and I mean, the, those sort of essentials in life, you know what it means for us? It means that we are to pray for contentment. We're to pray for contentment. See, Augustine, the, the early church father, he pointed out that daily bread was a metaphor for the necessities of life, not the luxuries of life. In fact, uh, he believed that, that Jesus here was sort of riffing off or, or sort of summarizing another verse from the Old Testament out of the book of Proverbs. He, here's the verse. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And in this verse, uh, scholars point out that this phrase, my daily bread, our daily bread, is, uh, refers to like a soldier's rations. In other words, it's enough. It's, it's sufficient. It's healthy. But it's hardly extravagant. And so this is a prayer for contentment. Contentment in the light of the, the gracious goodness of God in our lives. It's about opening the fridge door and looking in and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for all the goodness, for all the grace in my life. Thank, thank you for, for caring for our daily needs. In fact, it's about being grateful. You know, it, it, it's about being grateful for the job that you have, even though it's not maybe your dream job. Saying, God, thank you that, that I got a job that supplies my needs. It, it's being 
having gratitude for, for your spouse, being thankful for those things that your spouse like, oh, thank you for this. Even though sometimes your spouse might drive you crazy, right? I mean, but it's saying, God, thank you for this. It's being thankful for the, the place that you live and the car that you drive and, and the vacation that you can take, even if it's not as fancy or as nice as the person down the road. You, you see, the, the prayer for, for our daily bread is, is a prayer for contentment in our context. Because if not, the danger is that your very prayers become a source of discontentment in your life. The very thing that you present to God is like, God, if only I had more, if, if only you would. And it causes us to be discontent because we're asking God for things that he never promised us. And especially in these days, especially in our culture, which always, always communicates that more is better and that happiness comes from having more stuff, which, which we know is not true. To pray daily for contentment in light of God's incredible grace in our lives is, is the place where we need to start when it comes to praying for our daily bread. But our daily bread is more than just the stuff that we need. It's, it's the, the idea is all of the, the needs and wants that we have. And so uh, b- besides the stuff that we need, what else should we be praying about? Well, here's the next thing. When, when you're presenting your request to God, you should pray for your heart's desires. You know, once we have the right perspective, there's nothing wrong with praying for the the desires of our heart, for the things that God has has put on us. In fact, it's a good thing. We should pray that God would do the things that we desire in our heart, no matter how impossible they may be. Uh, Philip Yancey tells about a a friend of his who uh, lived in Chicago who invited a bunch of other people in Chicago to pray with him for an end to poverty in the city of Chicago. And almost to a person, everyone said, that's, no, that's idealistic. It's unrealistic. Uh, you, you know, we're not going to join you in that prayer. But he had a different perspective. His friend had a different perspective. He says, what's the point of praying if it's not to express the desires of our heart to God, especially when they're in line with the will of God? I mean, who knows what happens when we pray? Who knows what God might do? I mean, think about those who prayed in the, at the height of communism for the end of communism or in the midst of apartheid in South Africa for an end to apartheid. People will say, that's, that's a ridiculous prayer. It's unrealistic. It'll never happen. And yet God answered those prayers. We should pray the desires of our heart. I mean, you, you should pray for people that you love to come to faith, even if it seems Utterly impossible that they would ever come to faith in Jesus. You should, you should tell them the desires of your heart. You should pray for healing for people that you love. I mean, Jesus came and healed all kinds of people. So very clearly, this is something that God loves and is willing to do and can do. And so you should pray, God, would you heal this person, please? It's the desire of my heart. I mean, you, you, you should pray for safety and protection for yourself and the people you love. You should pray for restored relationships. You should pray for wisdom and God's guidance. I mean, there is nothing wrong. There is nothing immature of praying for the desires of your heart, especially when they're in line with the will of God himself. You should bring it to, your God, to God in prayer. It's the second thing you should pray. 
But I want to challenge you to con continue to expand your understanding of, of your daily bread. It's not just contentment for your, you know, your, your, your actual physical needs or, or, or your heart's desires. But to, to broaden that understanding, the, you know, the, the next thing that you should pray about when presenting your request to God is for, for faith. You know, the Bible talks about different kinds of faith. There's the kind of faith that Jesus saw in some of the most unexpected places, this sort of childlike faith that just said, God, of course you could do it, and, and they did it. But there are other, there's another kind of faith. It's the kind of faith that's more about faithfulness, about, about a deep trust in God, no matter what comes, no, no matter the cost. Because, of course, we live in a world that is full of injustice and suffering and pain and heartache. And, and that kind of faith is a faith that trusts deeply in the sovereign hand of God. I mean, it's kind of prayer that you pray for faith when you find yourself in a, in a dead-end marriage. Or when you're struggling with a, a parent that, that you love so deeply and now has dementia. And, and there's, no, there's no cure for that uh, it's the kind of faith that you pray for when you, you know, are in a relationship where your spouse doesn't want to have sex or, or when you pray for a nation that's devastated by war or, or when the election chooses a government that you wouldn't have chosen. And, and, and you've prayed and you've asked God for, for what just seems so clearly to be what would be good according to his will and, and, and what would be right. And, and, and God doesn't answer it. You don't understand why and, and you don't understand why he wouldn't, and you're discouraged. This is the kind of faith that says, still, still, I will trust you. The Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, he wrote about this kind of faith. He, 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 he wrote about being afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but, but not driven to despair, persecuted but, but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. He's like, is, is the kind of prayer the praise about faith in the midst of hardship, faith in the midst of, of the difficulties of life that withstands them and seeks to trust and find strength in God in the midst of them. I mean, this is the kind of faith that is celebrated in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that famous chapter on faith. Uh, it's the kind of faith that the people of like Abraham and Joseph and Job and others had. You know, in your, in your prayers, when you pray, that God would give you and me, that he would give us our daily bread. To also pray for that kind of faith, that kind of trust where, God, I trust you even if this isn't done the way that I, I want you to do it, or at least as quickly as I want you to do it. We don't just pray for things to change. We pray for our faith to grow when they don't. Okay, one more. When presenting your request to God, you should pray for grace. Grace is simply undeserved kindness. And you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, have experienced God's lavish grace in a myriad of different ways. And the greatest way of all, through Jesus Christ, his son, who came and, and suffered and died and rose again, that we might be redeemed, that we might be made right with God. I mean, if anyone knows about grace, it should be us who are followers of Jesus. And yet we live in such a graceless age, don't we? I mean, we live in this in this age where people are so quick to tear one another down, so, so quick to take advantage of one another, so quick to attack one another. And 
And yet because of what Jesus did for us, I mean, we should be the people most known for being people of grace, people who lavishly distribute undeserved kindness to the people around us. We should be kind in our, and gentle in our interactions with people, both in person and online. I mean, we should be humble and, and willing to serve and, and to go out of our way. We, we should be a people known. I mean, I mean, people should say, when the Christians come, they don't judge. They, they just bring grace with them everywhere they go. So when you pray, when you pray daily, you should pray for grace. Grace in difficult situations. Grace in the midst of the needs in your life. Grace when you are tired or angry or hurt, when you're dealing with difficult people in your world. I mean, you should think of grace as one of those daily bread things that you pray daily. Say, God, would you help me to walk in the grace that I've experienced from, from you? I mean, there are all kinds of other things that, that you could add to that list. But, but, but when it comes to praying for your daily bread, you know, my challenge to you is to try to expand that definition of, of what daily bread is. To, to try to bring a, a little deeper, a little bit more mature understanding when you present your request to God. That it's not just would you do this and would you do that, but God, would you expand? Would you, would you help me to live the way that Jesus calls me to live in this world? Okay, but then also, when Jesus teaches us to pray, notice that he teaches us in this prayer, this part of prayer, he, he uses different pronouns. Look at what he says. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't teach us to pray, give me today my daily bread. Or give me my family's, you know, the daily bread that we need. No, no, no. He, he teaches us to, that our prayers need to be well beyond our, ourselves. The, the us keeps our prayers from just becoming totally self-centered about me and, and the circle of people that I just care deeply about. Jesus expects you and I, as his followers, to pray for those who are out there, the, the, those who also need their daily needs met. You know, Philip Yancey, again, in another place, he writes about an interview that he had with a pastor in China who had spent 20 years in prison for his faith. And even though he'd spent 20 years in prison after he got out, he every year invited a bunch of people who came to faith in Jesus that year to come down to a river and to publicly pray a prayer of commitment to Jesus and then to be publicly baptized in that river. Each of them knowing and he knowing that they could be arrested and imprisoned for what it is that they, that they were doing. And Philip Yancey, he asked this man in the interview, he said, how is it that that the church in the West can help you. And his answer was, ask the church to pray for us. And Philip Yancey said, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but really, I mean, we, we want to help. What, what can we actually do to help? And the Chinese pastor kind of looked at him like, no, 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 no. That is the greatest help that you can give us. You see, Christians who don't have access to, to the levers of power, who don't have a way to affect power, they believe rightfully so that the greatest thing that they can do is pray. The, the greatest power that we have is found in our prayers. And so the call on us is to pray against the, the, the invisible you know, powers of darkness that are out there. So, so what Jesus 
teaches us here is that we ought to pray not only for ourselves, but we ought to pray when we present our request to God for others. You know, not just for our own needs. When, when you come to your heavenly father, when you come to this part of the prayer, you know, the, the question is, this, do you ask for others? And by that, I don't just mean, you know, those closest to you, and those dearest to you. Do you ask, you know, for those who, do, do you pray for the, the, the daily bread for those who literally can't open the fridge door because they don't know where their next meal is coming? Do you pray for those who don't have parents, for the orphans? I mean, do, do you pray for those who experience injustice, those who are in the persecuted church, those who are serving as, as missionaries overseas, or those who are planting churches, or those who, I mean, is your, is your horizon broader than just that immediate people around you? Is there anything in your life that you're so passionate about, about the kingdom of God, that you pray regularly for it outside of yourself? Now, I'm not saying you have to pray for everything. Pray for world peace and pray for wars and pray for orphans. And pray. But is there something, something that, 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 that God has put on your heart? A, a people group, a, a need, a, a, you know, your city, a, your neighborhood, your, your school, or your work. I mean, is there something that you would regularly say, God, would you please because you see, here's what happens when you begin to pray regularly for the daily bread of others. God begins to not only, I mean, obviously he hears your prayers, but he begins to, to drive that deeper into your heart so that he begins to use you in different ways to answer those very prayers. He begins to work through you not only to, to pray, but to act, to give, to, to go, to, to serve, to reach out, to, to be part of what God is doing in the world in that particular area. You see, to pray the Lord's Prayer the way that Jesus teaches us to pray it is actually dangerous and subversive. It, it changes us. It calls us to action. But it's how Jesus teaches us to pray. And when we do that, th then our prayer begins to be an adventure. God begins to work in all kinds of ways, not only out there, but in our own lives as well. Okay, then here's the last part of this phrase that Jesus teaches us. He says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, the first place in the Bible where it talks about God providing daily bread is, is in the book of Exodus. Uh, you remember the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt and God in his grace rescued them, brought them through the Red Sea to the other side and into the wilderness. But it didn't take long for their food to run out. And then they cried out to God and, and God provided them literally daily bread, manna from heaven. But, but when God did that, it, you can read it in Exodus chapter 16. When God did that, he instructed Moses to tell the people to just collect enough food for one day. No more than that. But some of the people disregarded that instruction. They collected enough food for a couple of days and they, and they left it in their house. But the next morning when they woke up, that, that, that manna, that bread from heaven had, had uh, gone stale. And in fact, there were maggots in it. And Moses was angry. He said, no, no, what God called us to was to trust him daily for bread. Not, not weekly, not monthly, daily. You see, to pray daily for this day for our bread is, is, requires this sort of radical trust, this deep dependence upon God. 
That's what was required for the people of Israel. And, and for 40 years, until they arrived at the promised land, every single day, God provided for them the bread that they needed. And, and this is what Jesus teaches us to pray when it comes to our needs and our wants and our desires. We are to pray for God's grace, for His provision for this day. You see, that's not really our, our, our way of thinking, is it? I mean, when we go to Costco... We don't think about just this day. We think like this week or, 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 or this month. Or, I mean, if the sale is really good, I mean, why not a year's supply of Fruit Loops, right? I mean, it was a good price. And now we've got it. But that's not how God does it when it comes to grace. God doesn't give us all the grace we need for 40 years up front. Rather, he gives us all the grace we need for 40 years one day at a time, each and every day, which which is important to understand when it comes to the big challenges of life, when it comes to the, 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 the difficult things that we face in our lives. Because the danger is we look at how big whatever the, the obstacle ahead of us is, and we say, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can make it. I mean, you know, I mean, for example, for some people being single. Now, now being single is, a, is not a bad thing. And in fact, the Bible speaks so highly of being single. We, I mean, our church... Being single is never second rate or, or less than. The Bible actually speaks that it's, that it's better than. So there's nothing wrong with being single. Don't hear me suggesting that at all. But for some people, the thought of being single for their lifetime is, is overwhelming and daunting, maybe even, even terrifying. And for, for others, you know, they're walking through issues of infertility or or cancer, and the thought of the, the chemo treatment that is ahead is, is terrifying. And I mean, you know, we, we sometimes face those kinds of things in our lives. And, and if the question that we ask is, will I be able to make it through to the end? Will I be able to make it through the next 40 years? You know, we could be overwhelmed with that. And instead, the question that we should ask is this, can I walk faithfully in this through the next 24 hours? Can I trust God to get me through today. Because if you can, then you have all the, all the grace, all, all the care, all the provision that you need for the next 40 years, for the long haul. Because that's how God cares for us. The writer of Hebrews says this about prayer. He says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, now, remember that the high priest was a mediator between God and the people. They presented their requests to, to the priest who presented them to God, right? So we have this great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He says, when you pray, you can come to Jesus because he understands what this life is about. He has lived this life. He says, you can approach the, the throne of grace. You, you can come before God in prayer and he will give grace in our time of need. Just for the day, just for this day. Just, just for what is right before us. See, when Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he's calling on us to have this, this deep, radical reliance and trust on God, in God. 
that he will care for us through the whole process. This is what it means. This is what Jesus talks about when he talks about, when he teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. You should regularly, daily, ask God to give us our daily bread. Because, because he hears our prayers. Because he answers our prayers. Because God listens. And what you pray matters. It affects how God acts in the world. I mean, you know, sometimes people struggle with this idea that God's sovereign. In, so if he's sovereign, why, why am I asking for all these things if, if he's in control? But Karl Barth, famous theologian from the past, who regularly talked about the, the, the sovereignty of God. It was one of the themes that he drove over and over and over again. He, he never saw a contradiction between the sovereignty of God and his rule and reign over every aspect of life and our prayers and the importance of us praying. God, give us this day our daily bread. He, here's, here's what he writes. He, God, is not deaf. He listens. More than that, he acts. He does not act in the same way whether we pray or not. Prayer exerts an influence upon God's actions, even upon his existence. That is what the word answer means. The fact that God yields to man's petitions, changing his intentions in response to man's prayer, is not a sign of weakness. He himself, in the glory of his majesty and power, has so willed it. God wants you to pray. He wants you to come before him and say, Give us this day our daily bread. And then he wants to answer our prayers. My, my, my challenge for you, that, well, my question for you is this. When you pray these prayers, when you present your request, do you come with the right perspective? Do you need to change a little bit? Do you need to adjust how it is that you come presenting your request to God? And when you do, when it comes to that, do you need to just grow a little bit more maturity around what it is you're asking for, for contentment and for the desires of your heart as big as they are and, 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 and for faith and, and for grace. And I mean, the challenge is just to, to mature that, to expand that. So it's not just opening the fridge door and saying, God, I, I want more. And who, who, who is it? Besides your close circle friends, who is it that God has laid on your heart that you pray regularly for? Say, God, would you please provide the daily bread for this group or those people? And then when you come, would you come with the kind of trust that says daily, this day? I, I can't see the end. I don't know what's going to happen here. But God, I trust you. Where is it in your prayer, in this part of your prayer, do you need to grow and mature? Go do that this week. Would you bow your heads? Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, the great God who loves us so deeply and, and yet is so great, who wants to work in our life and, and who wants to do these things in the world. God, we, we come to you today and God, we do pray. We pray, God, that you would help us Present our requests to you well. Not with a pressure. I mean, just, just God, as, as your children, like, like children come to their, their parents when they, who they trust and love and say, God, these are the requests. But Father, would we, would we come with a kind of maturity as well that helps us 
present them in light of who you are, in light of what you're doing, in light of what you want to do in our lives. And God, would you broaden our, our horizon that we would pray deeply, not only for ourselves, but for the needs of others, for those that you put on our hearts. And God, would you grant us to trust you daily, every day, just for what we need for this day, knowing that you're so faithful that you will provide for the next day and the next and that one day we'll look back and see in our lifetime your faithfulness and your grace evident in every day of our life. Oh God, would you help us as we pray to you. We, we, we request this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.